0: The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Check ASO is an analytical ASO platform that provides you with up-to-date data on keywords, competitors, ratings, and reviews. It also grades your ASO level and gives you custom tips on how to improve it. This way you can increase your app page visibility, organic traffic and installs with every update. Try it now for free for seven days at checkaso.io. That once again is checkaso.io. We all have developer horror stories from language barriers to bad code to developing on time. That's why I recommend using B7 dev. .com. They're affordable, fast, and more importantly, trustworthy. Go to b7dev.com. What is up App Nation? It is Steve P. Young founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action pack content related to helping you grow your app downloads and your revenues. And while today might not actually be an app-related podcast, I wanted to bring on my friend because we've known each other for so long to really talk about delegation, how he's been able to really delegate a lot of his work while running a six-figure a month, six-figure a month business. So without further ado, let me introduce the guest. His name is Heath Armstrong. He's an author, the co-founder of Rage Create, and an e-commerce e-commerce maniac. He's the creator of these sweet-ass affirmation cards that I actually have in my hand, and they're motivational cards, affirmation cards. He's got sweet-ass journals, which are I love journals, and I've got a few upstairs as well, and the host of Never Stop Peaking podcast. In 2016, Heath retired his traditional career. He's now moving around in a van, right? He in mm-hmm. concrete construction, he sold all of his belongings and scaled his bootstrap e-commerce startup to hit multiple six figures a month. Wow. And this is very much Heath wearing mostly undies. Heath, welcome <laughs> back, brother. <laughs> And recently no Indies fan. No okay I like Uh, that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dude
1: it's good to be here thank you for having me. I was uh, I I had a moment earlier when I was thinking back to some of the things that you triggered back in 2014 even away from like the assistance and delegation and stuff. I remember you were sharing about uh, how you would I think you were editing podcasts, you were doing or doing show notes or something while yeah. you were commuting to work. Yeah. I'm like, the memory, train. yeah. And and I was like, I was driving in the van having this like reflective weird uh, moment the other day, because I was driving through Kentucky. And that that's where I used to live. And I hadn't been back there in like five years through this area. And it was this area, particularly, because I used to work in a factory out there for $13 an hour making receptacles that carry like concrete receptacles that carried human feces underground. And there was, I would be driving back and forth to different parts for work. And there was this particular rest area that I would pull my truck off on and start like editing podcasts and stuff because you gave me that idea back then. And I was thinking about like, (laughs) <laughs> how crazy it is that you were doing that and then seeing your progression. And then I kind of just like, was like, well, this is working for him. Maybe I'll try it myself. And it wasn't, you know, a couple years into that, that I was able to leave my job and, and make progress too. So it's just like all these gigantic uh, moments of gratitude that have been pouring in.
0: Yeah. Hey, he, you know, like, we've, I mean, I was looking at like our initial emails and how we even met. I can't even remember then, but I love that what this journey has meant for me because I get to really connect with a lot of great people. And I think you are the one who introduced me to Pat Lamb too. And I, you know, like he and I've kind of stayed in touch here and there as well. So it's been a great journey, this, this podcasting thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I think originally, I, I mean, I was just listening to app masters. I was like, I was listening to the to the show because I thought I was going to create apps for, I remember him that was going to be my ticket. Right. Yeah, And then I started going to like local startups, uh, places and like trying to learn to code only to find out that these 12 year olds are just kicking my ass in all the <laughs> classes. And you know what, that process was hard to come to the realization. Like maybe my thing isn't developing apps, but right. what I learned throughout that was like how creative I am and how much of a like really good creative director I was. And that was able you know, that, that kind of steamrolled me into all the stuff that I do today. So it's like, you never know where you're going to end up when you're, when you're getting started. But as long as you keep right. taking action, you'll get somewhere amazing or a lot better than, you know, the stalemate place we find ourselves in if we
0: don't take action. Well, let's talk about your e-commerce business. How did you get started with that? Was it, is it all like Amazon FBA? Because I know nothing about this stuff.
1: Yeah, man, it was weird. I was like, I was doing the app thing and then I was like trying to do website businesses and that wasn't working. And then I was like, okay, I'll just create like a podcasting editing service business. And then I realized mm-hmm. how hard it was to trade your time for money without like having systems in place. So I started studying systems. And then uh, as I was doing podcast interviews on my old show that I used to have the, uh, the artsy now show, which you came on way back. In the day yeah
0: entrepreneur uh, I think you called yeah, it yeah the
1: art entrepreneur now entrepreneur yeah uh, <laughs> um, I I met so many magical people through that and I hit, I interviewed a guy named Jason Berwick and and we started talking and like we had a lot in common as far as outdoors like outdoor love and we started doing hikes and stuff together and he uh, he was like selling stuff online so and I was like well what are you selling and he was just going to stores and scanning shelves for things and then selling them on Amazon. And I was like, Oh, anything that could get my mind away from uh, working in the concrete industry was interesting to me, but it wasn't, maybe three or four months into that, that I realized I'm like standing inside Walmart scanning shelves to take stuff back, to pack it up, to send it to Amazon, to sell it. And like, it was right. worse than my job was Right, being in Walmart at the time. So it was, it was something called retail arbitrage. I did for a little bit. I actually quit uh, that because I was like, I don't want to trade my time for money again. How can I figure out a way to make this into a system? And over the next year or so uh, he was sort of working on automating it online. And, and I was, also kind of looking at it from a different angle. And we came together and were able to to move more into something that's called, or often referred to as online arbitrage, uh, but with a really like systematic approach. And we started basically scraping all of these websites and it would automatically pull metrical like e-commerce information and uh, attach that product information to an Amazon page for the same product. And then it would spit out all the metrics like, what's your profit margin? How much ROI is in this if you buy it at this store for low and sell it on Amazon for high? And then you could factor in Amazon FBA, which is just a fulfillment by Amazon service that basically says, Hey, we have all these warehouses. We'll store your goods here and ship it out to your buyers when they buy for you for a fee. So then it was like factoring that in like, is there enough margin to do that? But dude, I didn't have any idea like how powerful systems were. And I, you know, I'm like this frugal kid. I grew up like my family didn't have money. I, I, my mom's kind of a single mother. We went on like one vacation to the beach one time. And, um, I was really had no real abundance mindset. I really never thought I'd make more than like getting a career that might pay me 50 grand a year or something. And, um, it was wild to see it go from like a couple thousand dollars a month to 8,000 a month to 15. Mm. And then within a year quitting my job, you know, getting rid of everything that I own physically and hitting six figure months. uh, That was wild. It was all systems. It was legitimate, like delegation systems. How do these things breathe and run when you can step back? There's good and bad to that because I, over the next few years, got too comfortable with the systems and wasn't paying attention or or changing tactics and it wasn't, you know, March 2020 where I was staring at bankruptcy papers thinking like god did i just lose this entire business and how do i transition mm. luckily i had the grit in me to to make a transition that has turned out to be way better than i could have ever imagined just a year later today um a year and a couple of months but uh, yeah that's kind of how it got started it was like it was really fast and i think about the last that was what 2014 or so when I first came, you know, we met and then yeah. it's just crazy to think it's only been six or seven years and I've gone through all of this stuff and it feels like it's been my whole life. So, uh, yeah.
0: You remember Great the cool first wild. system that you put together that you're like, Oh, this is saving me a lot of time. Well, the first system wasn't even an e-commerce. It was
1: really just podcast systems. It was mm-hmm. learning a lot of the stuff that you were doing and how to sort of, it's kind of like infinite upcycle. How do you upcycle your content to multiple platforms? And it was trying to find people online that were able to work for you from, you know, I have this principle where anyone who works for me has to be location independent and they can work on their own time whenever they want, as long as they're getting their their work done. There's not like a set schedule. Um, But the first big like e-commerce system was the ability to, to run all these scrapes and then have the information feed to a buyer who would then analyze the information secondary, make a bunch of purchases, ship all of the items to a a warehouse, a prep company per se, who would then check all the physical items and label them all and then send them into Amazon warehouses in which they would sell. And then Amazon would pay me out once they sold. And like, that was me not touching a product ever, but, but selling, you know, $100,000 worth of product in a month.
0: Wow. And that's dude.
1: crazy. You know, it's a system. It's just like, I, I could have never even thought that I would have been involved in something like that. Um, yeah. And it all started with like wanting to learn how to code in an app school. Like, It's just, you keep following your curiosity
0: and it leads you to some pretty crazy places. That's amazing. Wow. How did you make sure, I know you kind of referenced this, Heath, but how did you make sure that, a, there's check and balances, right? Like that the buyer was making smart decisions and then people were doing their work. How did you make sure that was happening too?
1: Long, long, nights. trial and error at first. Uh, I hired my sister at one point to be a buyer. Uh, I did a lot of buying myself. And when I was doing that, it was fine. I was quick at it. I could analyze right. real quick, but it, w- it wasn't work that I wanted to do. Like if you're creative or you have a mindset of running systems, or you have a mindset of wanting to build projects and watch them grow, you really need to be able to pull yourself out and, and analyze it. I wasn't great at keeping tabs on it, I was really great at building it, but what I learned out that process was how bad I was at making sure it was working correctly. Mm. It, I saw these big numbers, and I was like, "Oh, it must be working correctly." But I also wasn't noticing the expenses growing and the overhead growing because there was so much money being deposited in the account and taken out of the account. The cash flow is so high, um, but it, it came down to tweaking it into like a, a big series of standards of. Processes or whatever you want to call it, it was really just finding really good assistance and team members to be able to like have conversations with once a week, video, you know, Tuesday mornings. What's going on? What are the product numbers? Uh, we're, we're setting up. I, I can't even like begin. T- there's probably a hundred different spreadsheets tracking different things that we created one by one, and it all started with one little one, you know. So it's like, uh, what kind of bad inventory is there? What what's working, what's not. But the most important part to remember in that is like, what really is truly driving your business and affecting it? And how do you track that? And then if you figure out how to track it, you can have meetings about it and talk about it. And if you're thinking about it and talking about it, then you're probably pretty aware of what's actually happening. And therefore you can, you can watch it go in a positive direction, or you can make adjustments if it's going in a negative direction.
0: One thing Um, I struggle with, man, like I know that certain things need to be tracked, like you know, we have a running count of how many new customers are coming in, how many people are staying on the lifetime value of a customer. And we're, we're keeping a close eye on this. And I've been thinking about how do I systemize it? And so that somebody else is reporting this to me, but I don't know if it's a mindset thing. I just thinking, I can't let this go. Like I should be looking at these numbers. Did you ever have that struggle? Like, Hey, what are, you know, like something, I don't know. I I should just stop talking really. (laughs) No, no, no. You're on it, man. Yeah. I,
1: I do. There was like this, there was, so I have a co-founder in my business and lucky for me, he's really good at that stuff. Mm. And my side is to be very creative and to, you know, do project, project uh, sort of design and ideas and bring them to life. And he's unbelievably good at tracking like employment and, uh, the numbers, like how the numbers come in and how they go out. So I can't attest that that's the easiest thing in the world for sure. But I do know that when I when we create reports on the numbers that we want to see, and then we have parameters on what numbers are good and which ones are bad, then you have someone who is training and they're the ones reporting those numbers to you. Once you get a trust for how accurate they are, once you have so many conversations with them about what they think about these numbers and you start to realize you both understand it the same way. Then you can sort of pull yourself back and and get relief and then just check in less and less as long as it's still running smoothly. I've got some really good, uh, higher level managers in place for that, that, you know, we've got, there's a whole hierarchy of, of employees in our company now. And, um, I couldn't do what I do without them and they're really good at it. And it's taken years. You know, a lot of them have been with me for five you know, five years at this point. So, but I had, I had a lot of really hard times with other, you know, other people that were working with me, whether that was my fault of not being a good enough person explaining something or it was their lack of, um, I don't whatever you want to call it. Uh, You know, I had to even like fire my little sister because she was just getting too high every day and not showing up on time and it was getting worse and worse. And then she's buying all these products that I can't resell and you're, you know, you're losing all this money. And it's really easy to not see that happening if your sales still show that they're good, and if no one's looking at it, they can get really dangerous. Which is what, what ultimately happened to me, which caused the biz, the big collapse. But uh, yeah, it's about trust and just knowing your team and and being like able to have the conversations two times a week to
0: start maybe, and then one time a week, and and see how it goes from there. Do you? Is it just a matter of like? going through enough people where you find the right one, you know, they always say (laughs) higher, slow, fire fast, but I almost feel like even if you did do that, sometimes people just aren't going to work out and you just kind of have to go through a few people before you actually find somebody that you, you mesh with.
1: Yeah. I, I remember originally um, when I was building teams in the e-commerce spec away from the podcasting stuff, I created I didn't know how to hire anyone online. I knew what I was kind of looking for I created a, an application on Upwork. Is it, I don't know if it's still called Upwork. Or yeah, Upwork. it is, dude.
0: I have or one if, right now.
1: Or whatever it was called before Upwork. I think it used to be called something else. But um
0: it was Freelancer and Olant or Elance? Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. So, There's something yeah. before Upwork. But no. Yeah, but anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they merged. That's I created
1: I a a big uh, uh Application, And then I put in the middle of it, like some questions that were specific to weed out all the bullshit. Like, you know, if you're actually reading this, put the subject purple elephant when you reply. (laughs) And therefore I got like, there was a hundred people. And then all of a sudden there was only really 20 that were candidates. And I honestly have a really, I work on my intuition a lot and how to flow through life. And like, I, I really am good at following my gut. So that in itself helped me narrow it down to about five people. And then I actually do video I just have a a, a talk, like I, I, I just do a video call with each one of them, and then I feel out which one I think is going to be the best. Uh, usually, when I've done that, it's worked out tremendously in the long run. I actually had one of my first uh, e-commerce assistant; she was amazing, but she ended up leaving a couple of years later, and I was like about to shit my pants because I didn't know what to do without her. But she left because she learned so much about e-commerce. She started her own company, and that oh, was wow. like the coolest thing ever for me. I was like. It was hard, but it was like, I'm so proud that you were able to do that, you know? And, um, and so like there was that process, but then it, it, it also became a system again, like at some point, as we started growing recently over the past year with the business model that we have now, cause I, I no longer sell physical products that are not what I create myself, like the decks or journals. I used to sell a bunch of sports and outdoor gear and, and, and things that were, I was reselling basically, um, we have a manager who's been with us for like five years and she's amazing. And she's actually in charge of hiring now. So she goes and she puts out applications in her own way. She brings people in, she interviews them, and then she trains them. And that's cool. And then she just reports to us like, this person's doing really well in their training. This one, I think I'm going to have to let go. And we try to work with anyone who comes on to their advantage. Like, if we see someone struggling with a particular skill set, what's, what are they good at? Maybe they're creative. Cause like, I'm really bad at a lot of things. And like, there's other things I thrive at. It's, it's really about. If they're not doing so well with a task that you have or an action or whatever, there's probably something else they do really well at. So it's like, how do you have these personable conversations to become like really deeply friendly and, and loving with everybody on your team? I think that's the best way to create systems you can depend on. It's like, if you're also close personally, then there's enough trust and relationship in the process that, uh, everyone's going to communicate because I think a lot of times people are afraid to communicate because they're not really sure that if you're you know, whatever words you want to use, like boss or owner of a company, whatever it can, it can be weird. Uh, so creating a comfortable atmosphere, I, I guess, is what has allowed me to get such an amazing team that that seems to work really well together.
0: Very interesting. Hey, hey question for you. Like, how do you go about you gave us some great hiring tips? and you have some systems in place already, how do you go about finding the right people who can work inside your systems? Is it as easy as giving them a task before you hire them? What do you do to make sure that they work within the system that you've developed for them?
1: Yeah, we do a test. uh, So when we first hire, we actually pre-hire phase. uh, Feetri, who's our manager in that area, she does a test. Like she has this whole this this big process it's about two hours we pay them for the test but we say that's going to take about two hours just take this test and then we can measure skill set level based on what we're trying to hire them for because mm. if what often happens is we'll get 60 you percent know, we, we hire like five or six people at a time and uh we'll see you know who who is sort of built, their mind is built the right way to handle that kind of uh, action versus not being able to. And if we like, really like the person who is having trouble with it, we try to work with them and say, okay, is there any other areas that we can use you uh, for? And sometimes you just get people that don't want to work or they just like are there to try to run hours and they don't show up, but uh, that's the first step in the system. And then once they're in, it's just, we have constant communication. So we do weekly calls in every aspect. And if we're talking about like most people that work with us are sourcing products because we now sell e-commerce information to other people who buy and resell products. So every day they're getting a spreadsheet that says all of the metrical information of, of these products that they could buy and resell and make money. And Honestly, the team is scraping. We we don't use any softwares anymore. There's a lot of them out there that actually work, but we found like manual sourcing uh, has been the most effective thing. So that's that's a technical task, and like not everyone's built for it. I'm I sure as hell I'm not built for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like so that's kind of how we implement it. And then if it's creative, like we have an outreach side of things. We have obviously the, the affirmation side, and my whole my whole thing is like teaching mental health and optimization of, of like the mind and the body and creating products around that niche and that's kind of the brand rage create that we that we work in on our other side of the business and so uh, it's a completely different type of person that we bring into that and I even have someone on my team who's just there to make me feel better like it's, it's like a cheerleader like she's her energy yeah. is so amazing and I talk to her and she's like we're gonna kick ass this week and
0: and I'm like yeah <laughs> you're
1: right we are and then therefore I don't lay on my couch and like you know with a tub of ice cream, watching Jerry Springer and shitting all over myself. It's like,
0: wait, is that her only role? To <laughs> pump,
1: pump up no, it's not the only role, but, but, <laughs> but it is, you know, like it's, it's a big reason why she's there. And she's also quite amazing with scheduling and, and things like that. She's sort of my life assistant, but, uh, you just, I feel like everyone is so unique in their angles and how we approach life. And, um, you just have to find out what works for people and they have to know what they want to. Cause if you, yeah. if one of those things is not clear, it's not going to work. So it's, it's, yeah, you're just asking the question, like, can this work? And then testing it out to see if it can. And then trying to see how you can keep that close and, and open in communication throughout the process.
0: You know, Heath, one thing I admire about you is that you're willing to create and you almost from the outside it looks like you create with no fear. Right. And I can never, having been in the game for a while now, like I'll never shit on anybody that creates stuff because it is so hard to create. And it takes so much courage. I'm talking about this these affirmation cards too, to put yourself out there and be like, look, look at these affirmation cards. And you've got this great Kickstarter that's about to take off as of this publication date, RageCreate.Kickstarter. I'm going to be a supporter of this, but RageCreate.com slash Kickstarter. I'll link that up. But tell me about this, man. Like, you, your first deck sold over 7,000. So congrats on that. But like, what prompted you to create this, these cards? And then tell me about like any Kickstarter tips that you can provide for the audience as well.
1: Oh yeah. The Kickstarter thing could be a whole episode in itself, man. There's a lot of stuff there, but we, yeah, we launched a Kickstarter in 2018. It was a, these cards in particular were a, 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 they were like a pouring out of my soul and my blood. It was, I was realizing in a world where we have so many things distracting us and knocking us off of our focus. Like anywhere you go, you get a text message or, you know, there's a billboard or there's an ad on a television or whatever. And like, sometimes these are great and they can lead you to things that you love, but most of the time they're knocking you off of your attention. And um, I wanted to create stuff that were like quick, magical reminders of how amazing we are in life. Like everyone, if you just, shits going array and you read a little message and it lightens your day. I mean, this is the reason why people love fortune cookies so much. It's like these little <laughs> reminders are valuable, you know,
0: that's and so true, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I, I had instances, I had a, a long, dark past of alcoholism. And, and like, I even had the moment where I woke up face down, pants down in, in my garage, uh, with my nose bleeding all over a step and a bottle of liquor in my hand and my car running in the front yard with no recollection of where I was. And I started to realize that like, if, if, if you've been paying attention so little that you don't realize you have a job you hate a relationship, you don't want a body you don't like, and you're addicted to a bunch of things to provide you with thrill so that you can pretty much forget about your, your lack of sustainable happiness, then you're, you're pretty ripe for a sledgehammer to the face from the universe. And that can come in the form of a rock bottom moment or a warning or a, a transition or an opportunity. But uh, I wanted to turn that into opportunities. I wanted to basically take these feelings that I had and put them into uh, these messages that could help remind people. And so we we did that. Like in 2017, I had a hard time because I Amazon suspended my account at one point, which everyone has heard horrors about that shit. And I lost a massive amount of revenue. But the same day, my dog died and my grandfather died. Wow. Uh, and, and it was just like this this weird time for like and i didn't recover from it really honestly for a couple of years but on the back of that like all this emotional pain i was going through um i essentially wrote that first deck and we put it on kickstarter and yeah we were able to set, like pre-sell about 400 decks it was around $9000 which was amazing it was like yeah, cool dude. that was really cool that's amazing and then we were able to print 2000 decks with that money and since then we've, there's probably about 7,000 decks floating around the world. And I even like, I'm starting to see them. Like people are tagging us constantly, but I like, sometimes I go in a coffee shop and there's one sitting there and like, that's the coolest that's thing ever it. for somebody who has a dream of being a writer. Uh, and so, yeah, we're doing version two. And like, it's Benny, you know, we were talking about microdosing a little bit before this episode. I was... <laughs> I was, I was mentioning <laughs> like the value I find in microdosing LSD, and I actually did that pretty hardcore for seven days straight, <laughs> and I wrote this new version of the deck, which I think has a better design and better messages, um, but we're putting it out on Kickstarter, and, and I would love to talk about uh, t- Kickstarter tactics if you want, if you've got- Yeah, a let's
0: that go, man. Um,
1: yeah, I wish uh, I've been typing these out because I'm like studying them right now because I'm about to launch, but- I think obviously the biggest go with anything is, is getting attention through different audiences. So it's the difference between like always doing your own podcasts or being interviewed on hundreds of different uh-huh. podcasts with different audiences. Like how do you create a system that allows you to do both effectively, but, but how do you reach new audiences? So there's a lot of success in Kickstarter that lies with setting up systems to contact different types of audiences that might be interested in what you're making and, you know, three or four months ahead of time, being able to do collaborations with them or get them a sample of, you know, a prototype or tell them what's coming and try to see like how they could help promote. There is something really, if you're going to go that route, there's a program called Kick Booster that really helps because it allows people to just one click sign up as an affiliate for your Kickstarter. So you can set the percentages to anything you want. You could say like 20%. And they promote your Kickstarter to their audience, And then anybody who comes through and supports any of your tiers, they get twenty percent of it. And you don't have to do anything because it just passes through uh, KickBooster and Kickstarter pays out KickBooster, and it's it's a whole thing there. Um, oh. Or you pay the invoice from the money you get from Kickstarter or whatever. So that's the biggest thing. It's like how do you how do you set that up? And then the other is like you really want to be simple with your content approach, like, Content writing content is not the easiest thing in the world. It's like,
0: dude, I I know when I look at these cards, it's like, one, I hear your voice. I hear your personality. I feel you in these cards. And two, like, it's gotta be hard to write. Well, how many cards are here in this deck? Like hundreds there's of cards,
1: 60, right? Yeah, there's 60 cards in each deck. There's a front and a back. The front's yeah. basically the affirmation, and the back is kind of it's like an oracle or. A, these are like unfiltered. There's some profanity. They're funny. Like they're witty. I, that's the kind of stuff. They're that really I clever. I love them, dude. Um, it's not easy. Yeah, it, like when you're writing to say Kickstarter copy, it's even different than writing like the cards. Cause it's like, how are you relating to your audience? But luckily like I've had a lot of help and I have amazing support being somebody who has podcasted and, and met so many people. Uh, you know, I had, I don't know if you know, Chase Reeves from fizzle, uh, yeah, back yeah, yeah. in the day, he's a good friend him. of mine and he helped us do the video for this Kickstarter. Um, and I just, I've gotten so much better at writing copy. It's been really fun. And, you know, my girlfriend is really amazing with branding and, and it's can you make it simple? Can you make the you really want to go graphic heavy because people don't like to read a lot of text? Mm. Uh you want to get influencers backed up for it. Then you want to try to get on podcasts. You want to try to get a hold of some YouTubers that might be able to review it for you. Um you want to launch certain times of the year. We're actually launching in the worst month to launch a Kickstarter. July is is the worst time, is the least <laughs> successful uh, time to launch Kickstarter, but I'm, I'm okay with that. Cause I'm like, you know what, we'll just defy odds. We'll, we'll make that not so true. We'll have less competition, right? Cause not as many people will launch. Uh, and, and there's people out there that, um, that really spend so much time worrying about things that don't matter <laughs> when you're doing your Kickstarter. I had a friend who just did one. He, he really didn't do any of the back work. He was creating a book about travel, uh, how to, how to start traveling for people that have never traveled before. And he took a couple of those just prime things like getting on, you know, getting a little publicity with different audiences and was able to fund like $6,000 in his campaign without doing wow. a massive amount of groundwork. Uh, but there, there are ad companies out there that you can hire that sometimes will run ads for you, like Facebook ads and only take a payment based on the percentage of people they actually convert, which is wow. not unheard of. Yeah. Kind of crazy? So if you can find one of those, um, that's helpful. And you want to make your tiers not so complicated like I did the first time around. Like really make it focus on the product you're making. Don't try to throw a bunch of merch in there and stuff on top of it and confuse people uh, just make it really straightforward, offer gift packs. So like, if you have a single pack of something, make sure you're doing a double pack and kind of promoting it as like one for you, one for your friend. And then maybe a, uh, a five pack, which is like a gift pack. You know, you can get gifts for Christmas or whatever. Chase do dude, that. Dude's a maniac. He did a, he, you know, he does bag reviews on YouTube, huge. I think he has 180, 150,000 followers or something on YouTube. He he hooked up with a company and they designed a bag. They raised like 600 grand in 30 days.
0: What, <laughs> yeah, dude!
1: I know. I'm look looking at him like it's just wild. Like, uh,
0: bag reviews, like handbag,
1: like, yeah, he's bags? in. He he does, yeah, people just send him like gear and he does bag reviews on YouTube, but it's really dude, good. That's amazing. Anyone interested, like. Well, he,
0: you, he has a video background, right? Like, yeah, he's, yeah. He,
1: that's why he's so good. It's like, he yeah. doesn't just do bag reviews. He's like working life into the reviews and it's, it's brilliant. It really is. He's like teaching you things about life while showing you a bag. And you might not even be watching the video at all because of the bag, you find yourself <laughs> like, Oh, I just learned a lot there, but I didn't uh, remember anything about this bag, but I, that was a cool video. So how do you find like what you're good at and, and promoted and not try to force things I think is, is the best option. And it's like, there's a lot of there's a lot of different angles you can take it's like just make you know make a pretty decent video and write good simple copy and keep everything simple and then make sure you have people that are willing to share the last thing i will say that probably really this might be the most effective thing is like if you just make a list of like everyone that you have ever known <laughs> like spend weeks writing down like anyone i mean like your friends friends of your friends and and then like compiling how to contact them if you contact them all one by one when your when your kickstarter is live throughout that 30 day process you might get a lot more support than you think yeah true and uh like- direct communication is really, really effective. So as long as it's something that you think, I mean, I wouldn't spam people, like don't go find people from like your high school that you haven't talked to and be like sending them messages on Facebook messenger, like support this, but uh, you can, you can, yeah, you can rekindle some relationships maybe that way. I don't know if they'd be good or not, but uh, direct, direct contact with people is, is a very effective one.
0: You know, I can attest to these affirmations really working. I was going through some stuff. I think it was 2020, Layla, like summer of last year. And just didn't feel right. Like there's a lot of Asian hate going on back yeah. then. Silly, it was really. But <clears throat> just the world seemed different and the business was different. And I was just like, man, and I was, and it was these type of like affirmations and cards, I was reading through them. It really helps, dude. And you would think that maybe if you don't need it, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I don't need this. But when you do, and when your mental health is suffering, I guarantee these cards will certainly help you. And the fact is, like, Heath's is funny. So, like, I right here, like, I react with peace and ease no matter how stinky the cheese. And that's what you get from these cards. So, I'm a big fan (laughs) of you, man. I'm a big fan of your work. Congrats on everything so far. And I'm super excited that or super honored that we've been friends for so long, man, even though we've never met in person. Like that's what this podcast has done for me is I've got to meet so many great people through this that I still keep in touch with. So, dude, it's so wild. Like,
1: uh, thinking about that, it, it like blows my mind. Cause I feel yeah. like I, I know you on a very like pretty intense level. And me it's <laughs> because you had such a big impact on me early on. Like, I, I really can't, there's very few people that were there then in my, like most people I was completely cutting out. I was like, how do I get over overwhelm? And how do I get over resistance? gremlins coming at me. And like, I'd find you and a few others that were like being consistent, with what they were doing. And it was like, this is amazing. Um, that was kind of, that was kind of beautiful. It was when I learned that life has two sides, you have the positive side and the negative side. And the more you set up this fantasy that that life only has one side, the more you're going to get depressed and with basically what shows up that doesn't match your fantasy. Um, if you don't do the things that are most meaningful or exciting to you every day, then you're, you're not going to have the passion to show up and carry them out ever. So inspiration is something that comes deep within Uh, motivation comes from the outside. Can you find what lights you up inside? Can you find the motivation from the outside that can help support you? Uh, and, and like just use the strategy and take baby steps. Like procrastination generally comes from three places. It's an unclear vision, which was definitely something I had back then, an unchunked vision, which is basically too big of a beanstalk to try to climb up of, of in my mindset or in anybody's mindset when they think of goals. And then, uh, vision's not being linked to to the highest values. And so, you were able to teach me some things that really allowed me to get a clear vision, to unchunk my vision, to make it feasible, and then to be able to take those visions and link them to what I really wanted to bring to life. And uh, it means. Everything to me, like really, it's it's. (laughs) I wouldn't be here if I didn't learn those things, and like that was so crazy to see, you know, Merge and Lakshmi and and, like all of the assistants that we had both worked with back in the day come back around. And I was like,
0: wow, like this. I know, man. Still working working with them. Still working with them. Keith, it's been an honor, man. So the website is ragecreate.com/slash Kickstarter, or if you want to buy the first pack right now. Go check out ragecreate.com and then ragecreate.com slash Kickstarter to support that new pack. Heath, anything else you want to end with? If the audience wants to connect with you in any other way, you want to send them anywhere else? Yeah,
1: just I'm at Heath Fist Pumps on Instagram. Uh, HeathArmstrong.com will get you anywhere you need to go. I do have a 60, a new podcast coming out called 60 second power affirmations for your maniac creative mind. So anyone who's interested in these types of affirmations, but if you're a podcast person and you like audio, this is sort of the audio pump you up in a couple minutes type podcast that you can listen to uh, that I'm really excited to blast out into the, the universe. So just rip off your procrastination diaper and, uh, start becoming one with your muse. And, and I hope to catch
0: you on the flip side of that. Yeah, brother. We'll have to have you back on later on and talk more about all this stuff, but get into some of the mindset stuff. And you know what I found out recently, I gave up drinking in 2020, nice. like right before <clears throat> the COVID hit. And I was just like, you know, what? I don't need this anymore. What I, and I think you kind of alluded to this, but I was like, it became such a that I did to get away from the thing I didn't want to feel right and what and I became vegan too in 2019 I think that taught me like there's so many better alternatives to what you might be doing and so when I was thinking about it I was like you know I don't need this anymore there's one 0.0 so I drink that like 0.0 like beer and then there's alcohol free wine I was like you know what going vegan taught me that there's a lot of great food I don't need this meat and then I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't actually need to drink anymore. I don't like the buzz anyways anymore. And I really hate the next day. And that has been something I've been very proud of, actually. And I mean, forget the, the health benefits and all that jazz. But like, I'm very proud that I've been able to, you know, like, whereas people are drinking during the pandemic, I've been being able to keep this going, keep this streak going. Dude, it feels
1: good, doesn't it? Like, it feels I, great, dude. I, I can relate totally with that because... I was still like able to have some drinks, like after I I, I had to stop drinking for a long time because I was an alcoholic. But when I restructured that, yeah, um, I still found myself like having days where I'd like have three or four beers and then wake up feeling like I'm like I'm dying, but <laughs> I gave up alcohol completely and I'm eating like a lot like you and. Every day I wake up, and I can I can have like a non alcoholic beer. Like, there's actually some great craft breweries out there now that make non alcoholic beer. Like, I had dude, it's, it's a thing. Had now. A really good IPA last night that I was like, holy yeah. shit! And you don't have right. no like negative side effects, and like my right. mind is working better, my body's working better, and it's just like, if you want to become someone who's successful in any sort of like business or creative pursuit, the foundation for that is your health. It's your personal well being and how you feel when you wake up, and so. That is the number one thing that I pay attention to and try to help people like understand because it's what's going to be the anchor for you to be successful anywhere. So I love that you're doing that. It's pretty balling, dude.
0: Yeah, I love it too. And baller move. Thanks, brother. It took me a while, man, but we can get into that another time. But dude, congrats on all the success. Ragecreate.com slash Kickstarter. Heath, thank you so much for coming on and doing this, man.
1: Yeah, dude. I really appreciate it. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Want to increase your downloads and revenue? Check out our new ASO Master Service where we help you with ASO, optimizing your revenue, and we'll even manage your Apple Search Ads and Google Ads. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.